Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, today we're wrapping up what has been a very powerful series for us that uh, we've called Let's Talk About It. And over the last couple of weeks, we're talking, we've been talking about a topic that uh, not only impacts all of us, but it's also a topic that there is a stigma when it comes to churches about this topic that we're talking about mental health. And as we've been going through the series, we've said that we just think that the local church should be the best and the safest place to talk about a topic like this. And so as we've gone through the series, we've just given everybody permission. It's okay not to be okay. Well, if you missed any of the series, I wanna encourage you to go on our YouTube channel, catch up with it. Uh, but this topic has, has resonated so much that we decided to add a week in the middle of a series, which is something that we've never done before. And the way that we're gonna add this week is something I, I'm actually kind of excited about. We are going to interview this panel of professionals, as I like to call them. So let me introduce you to our panel of professionals. Uh, first, sitting down there at the end, uh, this six foot 12 man, this giant, uh, Mike Schottner, who actually attends the Ridge. Let me just, a little background on Mike. Mike is actually a mental health and substance abuse counselor working primarily with depression, anxiety, and trauma. And Mike, I understand that depression and anxiety are, are a part of your story yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, as well. Uh, sitting next to Mike is, is Lindsay Steiner, and Lindsay works with children, adolescents, and adults and uh, your passion is to strengthen and support family relationships, I understand. And uh, then uh, last but definitely not least is Dr. Sonia Lucci. And uh, Sonia works with a diverse population, kids through adults, and also with groups of people. And so we're really glad that you're here. And uh, as, as we have this conversation tonight, here, here's kind of my goal, because I can be honest, I'm kind of nervous. I've never interviewed three people uh, at once. I struggle with one, so this should be a lot of fun. Uh, but our goal is, is that uh, we're gonna have a conversation. And so I'm gonna ask a series of questions that was submitted uh, by people from the Ridge and then people actually outside the Ridge as well. And some of these questions I'll address to all three. Some of them I may address to one, but if you feel like you have something that you wanna add in that's important, please feel free to chime in because we, as the series is called, let's talk about it. So let's talk about it. Are you ready? All right, let's, let's go through, through some of these questions. Mental health obviously has been a huge topic right now. Uh, divorce, addiction, suicide rates, among others, are way up, as we know. I was just reading something the other day that America this past year scored the lowest on the happiest places to live that it has ever, number 19 uh, in the world. Now, this question is for all three of you. I mean, obviously, uh, it's a huge topic right now. Mental health is, is skyrocketing, but why is it now that more people are talking about it than they were before? Whoever wants to start. I do think that there's a sort of a, a shame associated with it, this idea. I don't know if it's just in America or the Western world that, you know, that we should just be happy. Um, and that somehow sadness or loss or crying is maybe associated with some sort of weakness. I think here we're like, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you just like, just keep going. Um, 
Yeah, so I think it's the association with the weakness. That's, that's good, Lindsay. And I, I think also just with, like you said, pick your kind of bootstraps up as well. There's not as many distractions as there were. Now we are in our homes or we're not able to interact as much. So we've gone through a lot of loss. And so there's less distraction. And so there's more time to be on our own. There's more time to be, especially for people who live alone. Um, and so you're confronted with yourself. Mike, what would you add to that? Yeah, I would think that it's just like these two uh, women have, have mentioned this, these things are coming to the surface. But I think that so much it, a lot of times, I think these two women would agree that people don't seek counseling until they really come to the end of the rope. <laughs> and a lot of times that's what, that's what people are seeking. They're, they, they need more, they're, they're seeking more what uh, th these women have already mentioned, they, we can't do it on our own strength. I think that's, we, we learn that, I think, especially um, just in our society, the U.S. society, is that we just, you, you just conquer and you work harder and you just figure it out. And that's just not how we're designed because God designed us that there's actually power in surrendering. And that is just much different than the way our society and our world functions. Yeah, kind of building off of that, we've been talking through this series that there's a stigma attached to the idea of mental health and in church circles. That uh, if, if I'm struggling with some sort of mental health issue, there might be, it's, it's a faith issue. Do you see that and how do you see that playing out in the people that, that you are talking with? Sometimes I see it that I feel like people are trying to protect God because it's saying, well, God's not powerful enough to bring joy or to or in my life. So they're trying to pr protect him in a way. So I'm trying to say, no, I don't think you need to protect him from that. And I don't know if it discounts um, just that we're fallen or how things are like this side of heaven, or we lose sight of that, no, he's coming back for us to make it all right. So it is a struggle here. I think people lose sight of that. Well, I, I'm sorry, before you to answer, how do you protect God? How do people protect God and what they say? How, how can you identify that? Mm, or how can I identify that? I mean, I think that um, the people don't want to say that they're hurting um, because then that would mean that maybe God's joy isn't in their life. I think they see it very dichotomous that you could, they can't have joy and sorrow at the same time or they can't have loss but be um, just content in the Lord at the same time. They see it as one or the other. You see the stigma in, as you talk with people? Oh, definitely. It's, uh, it's become more, more of something that's, that people are willing to talk about, but it's still, I think, the shame because I think people still, it's, they, they get caught up in the mindset that they have to do it on their own. And I think it even just... I think we can put God in a box so much and that it's that, I don't know, is God really going to come through with this? Is he big enough? And uh, when we don't believe that God is big enough, we're, we're naturally going to take back that control and try to do it in our own strength. That's what I've seen. So, so, is, that, so is that something where, hey, I pray and do all these things and nothing changes, so is there something wrong with God? Is that... How is that kind of what you're saying? That's how I, I think I kind of see it that way is like it's, and I think part of our society too, we want, 
okay, I, I've prayed on it for a day or a week. Where was God? <laughs> and I just, a lot of times I see in the Bible, it's quite the opposite. There, there are years. I'm not saying that God always takes years, but it's that when we're, when we're tested, I always say, tell clients, we're in a crossroads. When you're facing your trial, you can, all right, go your own way. Let me try to figure it out on my own. Or, all right, God, I am putting my faith in surrendering to you that you are gonna come through. Sonia, how, what would you add to that? Yeah, I, I think that we are so much more complex. I mean, um, we are not just spiritual beings, we're also relational, we're emotional, we are biological. There's, there's so many things that could be at play here for what's going on that we might, there could be a, a a spiritual issue going on, and there could also be a biological issue, perhaps there's ADHD going on, maybe it could be a relational issue. Um, and so it's much more complex than that, and God has made us very complex. And so I think we need to be willing to listen and see what is going on. So I, I guess the classic example is with Job. Job was a righteous man, yet he went through all of this suffering. So um, these friends came alongside of him and questioned his faith. Was it really his faith or was it other things that were going on? And so I think we need to be able to do that. Um, and I think that will also reduce the shame as well for people. How do men and women deal with mental health differently? I think that there's like the, sometimes you see some classic um, what we would maybe others would see as classic examples um, of like you know maybe men holding in their feelings and women emoting i think these are what we would imagine and maybe it's you know how men and women are sometimes portrayed in the media but sometimes behind closed doors i really i don't sometimes i don't always see what um you know like maybe the stoic man and the very emotional woman i don't know what, what do you have to add to that I think it is very much shaped by the culture as well. Uh, and I think culturally for a very long time there's been this understanding of, well, men can't cry. It's not okay. Men have to be the strong leader. Uh, and yet in the Bible, Jesus wept. And he's, he's the strongest leader, right, that we know. And um, so we have a kind of a misperception of what does it mean to be strong. Um, and so I think that can be culturally. Um, there's also, I think, an acceptance of, well, women can show their emotions more and that they are more emotional. When yet, when we look at the brain, men and women are both equally emotional. Mm -hmm. There's not really a difference in that. I, I heard this once, and now I've got professional counselors here. You can now tell if it's true or not. I heard someone say, both men and women are emotional. It's just, and then they're in the same. It's just how they express it, whether it be a healthy way or unhealthy way. So it's not one is more emotional than the other. It's just how it's expressed. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, I don't know if we're going to get to this, this idea that um, emotions are bad. Our emotions, like, you know, why do we have them? You know, what do we do with them? Um, kind of thing. I think, yeah, we all have emotions. There's signals that something's going on. I think there's something to attend to. So, you know, possibly it's that um, culture tells women to pay attention to certain emotions and culture tells men to pay attention to these other emotions. Hmm. 
Mike, you would like to add to that? I just uh, I think of uh, just how men usually deal with emotions. I just the classic is just stuffing. It's just uh, when asked, "Hey, is everything all right?" Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's just that I can handle it. Um, kind of going back to I'm just I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to work harder, and I think. <sighs> I always, I always challenge men with this. It's like, it's what really takes more courage. Is it just to pretend that everything's okay or to be like, you know what? I'm not all right. And I could actually use some help with this. Like that, that takes some courage to, for a man to, for men to admit that. I think, uh, it's, we need to change this misconception that vulnerability is weakness. That's really good. In what areas have you seen the greatest uptick when it comes to mental health illness? What areas? Definitely depression, anxiety, suicide is an all-time high right now. Um, grief, tra- trauma has increased significantly as well because you, you could say that the, the pandemic and everything that's gone on with um, the um, racial tension and the, there's been a lot of trauma this year. Um, and really the rug has been kind of pulled out from from us. It's not something that we anticipated or we saw coming. And so I, I think there can be a lot of traumatic grief with it as well. I think in families, um, I'm just seeing a lot of uh, challenges as everyone's in one house and trying to work and do school all at the same time. I, I see a, a lot of trouble trying to figure out what to do with their emotions. Parents are asking me, well, my kid is angry. What do I do with this? Or they're sad. What do I do with this? But really not knowing, I think, how to navigate um, and just uh, work through a lot of these things. And I'm seeing in adolescence a lot of anxiety, a lot of OCD, which I think is just very, very interesting. Um, yeah, and, and some depression, the loneliness. I think we are we're designed for connection, and, and it somehow it's just not the same through a screen or through, through Zoom. Um, so we've been really separated from people for a while. Lindsay, are you saying and are you saying that um, OCD has increased because of what we've gone through over the last year? You're saying that that's a re- direct result of that? I know that I have seen a lot on my on my caseload. What I'm wondering is, is just me. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if it's just kind of been like simmering here, and then everything. It's it, I think with everything, it's some things are simmering, and people are using their coping skills to like cope with all these things that were simmering, whether it be like hobbies, relationships, school, sports, um, you know, their their job. Um, but then these things are taken away, and you have to find new ways to cope. Um, without these relationships and you have to be creative and figure it out and there's a lag time with that and it's also people are grieving and the trauma um, of our whole nations and communities so it's just bringing so much um, to the surface a lot of like biological um, tendencies and um, maybe familial um, uh, patterns you know it's all, all coming out yeah, I, along with uh, what, what the other two women were saying, I believe a lot of it is the residual effects. Uh, I've seen just a lot more um, marital conflicts, things that are that have are probably there, but they just come to service because now you don't see each other a couple hours a day, you're with each other all day. Uh, just some of those things that 
uh, even just the, the busyness, um, taking away the business of our schedules, how that, that distraction isn't there anymore and things have, have surfaced as well. How would I know the difference between feeling blue or just maybe feeling anxious about something? How would I, feel that, how would I know the difference between that and then struggling with depression or anxiety? So one is to recognize like what Lindsay was saying, we, do, we are emotional beings. So to feel blue, to feel fear, actually those emotions, God designed us that way, to feel those ways. And to feel those ways in relation to what's happened, I think is very normal and very appropriate. Um, now when it becomes clinically significant is when someone is experiencing this pattern for most days over a course of time. And also it is causing significant distress and impairment in social relationships, in jobs, and different ways of functioning. Uh, so it can become more of a condition instead of just these feelings that we might have from day to day, if that makes sense. Yeah, I use things like the just um, maybe the feeling of anxiety as a, a good example. In order to be motivated to maybe do well in work or do well on a test, or even for me to drive here in the snow, I had to be a little bit anxious because it just sharpens my, you know, all my senses so I can pay attention to get here. Or if you're going to do well in your job, you have this internal like drive and motivation. But then anxiety can get too high and it activates our fight, freeze, or flight response and we freeze and you know all of our thinking just really shuts down. And if we're in that a lot, that's where the anxiety is too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess this, this verse just keeps popping ahead. This, we all need peace in that situation because that, that anxiety that depression, it's, I would say that's the opposite of peace. So how do we get there? And I think that, that be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, make a request known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds. So it's like that, what am, what am I gonna be listening to? I think so much of that is we have to take those thoughts captive uh, I think it, it's, it starts with that, uh, in my opinion. Are we taking those thoughts captive or are we listening to them and running with them, with that worry? Because when we listen to that worry, it can grow. We, we feed it and it grows. But are we, are we going to take that thought captive and instead, all right, God, what do you say? What are you saying in this situation? Fear is not from you, so what are you saying? Lindsay, I, I know you work with kids, and uh, if I, so I'm gonna ask you this question, building off the one I just asked. What should parents look for in their kids or, or their students that would be like warning signs for them, that this is not, they're just not anxious about a situation, that it's beyond that, or depressed? 
Yeah, so for kids, sometimes um, depression, anxiety can look a, a little bit different, especially with depression can act, actually look like a lot of irritability and a lot of anger. But how do you know whether someone is just like my seven-year-old, like just couldn't possibly put his clothes on today, and how dare we ask him to do this? And he's like throwing his clothes, and uh, you know, how do I? How do you know whether that's like just a day or whether that's significant and I think if you know these kinds of things are happening like you know in many many situations and then in social situations and then talking to the school also so you've got school you got you have social situations and a lot of times at home I think it's you want to also then look at their sleeping schedule and their eating like are they sleeping okay too much or too little like what's their eating like um, yeah looking at those things what are some of the danger signs that, that we need to take more drastic steps like medication or even, even further? What are some of those signs that we should be looking for in ourselves? I think it's important in, in regard to depression anxiety, you're saying? Uh, it can in be in general. general. Okay. It can be in general. But if you want to focus on one of those, sure. Sonia, that's fine. I, I think especially the, the physical experiences. So we're not sleeping, we're not eating well, maybe we're eating too much. Um, our bodies are agitated and we're, maybe we're pacing around the house a lot or we're, we're moving uh, too much, uh, we're not moving enough. Um, and, and also just in general feeling depressed mood or in, anxious to the point where we are so, we can't function in our day. Uh, and I think both the research shows that both uh, medication and therapy have the best outcomes. So having those together can be the most effective. And just like I said earlier, we're biological beings as well as psychological beings. Um, so many times there's, when we experience depression, anxiety, um, ADHD actually is largely biological. Um, we need to be able to care for ourselves in multiple ways. Yeah, I think um, feeling like depression or anxiety or other things, I think it's very important to go see your primary care physician. There could be just a lot of, you know, other things that could be causing that or just, you know, um, vitamin, even vitamin D levels. We're very far away from the equator, if you haven't noticed, <laughs> you're in Wisconsin. There's a lot of things. And so just, you know, really getting the opinion of a, of a doctor, I think is helpful. For me, you know, if I'm continuing to work with someone for, you know, for a while and we're not making um, headway and, and reducing their, their symptoms, you know, I, I really encourage them to go, go to their doctor. Yeah, I would say too, I think there are, there are things that can be worked on before, before medication maybe needs to be even in the conversation. I would agree with, uh, with the other points of the conversation too. A lot of people submitted questions about how they can help their kids or loved ones that they feel might be dealing with some of the things that we've been talking about. All right, so I'm going to ask you some questions that, that relate to that. Many of them were, well, how do I talk to someone? How do I start that conversation? So how would you advise someone to approach a conversation with a spouse or significant other or, or a friend that they have in their life? And then we'll talk about kids after that, okay? So... How would you advise someone? I think part of it is just hopefully you have that connection with them. And um, 
yeah, just, I don't know if it's with a neighbor or, you know, if it's with your spouse, you know, just, um, I think just saying, hey, I've noticed a few things and I really care about you, um, you know, and, and really valid, trying to validate their experience or their feelings, I think is important because it'll keep them talking. So we're not trying to fix, you're just listening. Um, and you're not saying yes and then but, you know, you're saying yes and tell me more. Us, us men never try to fix anything, so I, I appreciate that. That was for the ladies, I know. Yeah, that's good. I, I like that, Lindsay, because the listening part, I think, is so important. We are so eager to say something. We're so eager to talk, and then we miss something. We're missing, we're missing that connection. And so being able to ask, how are you feeling? So it's a very uh, cliche, maybe, thing to say, but it's, it's really not asking someone, how are you feeling today? Um, how have you been feeling? Or what are you thinking? So asking those really basic, simple questions can open up for further conversation. And you're talking about much more than the, well, how are you feeling? And we just kind of say, right. you're talking about it. Really, how are you feeling today? Yeah. What is that like? And, and encouraging um, a dialogue about actual feelings. And so that might also look like modeling that to someone. So and I think we're, we're so focused on saying, I'm doing good. Uh, when someone says, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. But really modeling that of, oh, you know, I'm just feeling pretty anxious today. Okay. That's good. Well, and then sitting with that. So I think um, it's not in our culture to sit with sadness, fear, or anxiety, or anger. So just by li- having them talk and you just sit with it and not try to change it, it's, it's hard for us. Yeah, I, I always think like that. How can I come alongside you? And, and walk with you through this. Uh, that's the, I think it really changes uh, the other person's perspective on what's your motivation. Are you just trying to say, hey, how are you doing because you feel like you should be doing that? Or is it, no, I really want to come alongside you and let's work through this thing together. Just because uh, I want to make sure we get through some more questions. Uh, Lindsay, how should parents talk with their kids? You know, I think, yeah, just not being afraid of, like, sitting with their sadness. And I think as parents, we somehow have it in our head that we need to provide them with this great life. And if they are sad, we're not providing them with a great life, or we must be not doing something right. But I think life this side of heaven is hard. There are, there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of things to be angry with. Um, So I think validating that and not being afraid of that. We're not saying to them, yeah, you're sad about that, but you have all these other things. You know, it, and it, they do have all these other things, and we're going to, of course, work on being grateful and thankful, too. Um, but there's also this, this sadness or this loss or whatever it is. Um, so it's sitting with that with them. That's great. Okay, we're going to enter the lightning round. All right, here are the rules of the lightning round. I will uh, give a statement or a question, and you have to answer it in no more than two sentences, all right? And if it's more than two sentences, unless I think it's really good, okay? Uh, more than two sentences, I gotta cut you off, all right? Because this is the lightning round, all right? And we're gonna, here's the order. We're gonna start with Sonia and go this way, all right? So no hesitation, you ready? Can you handle it, lightning round? All right, here we go. Best opening line to start a mental health conversation with someone. I think what I had said about where are you at today? How are you feeling? Um, maybe even identifying, hey, I'm noticing that 
you're seeming this way, and it's okay to feel that way. Um, I think very similar. Be hey, you know, I've, I've noticed blank. Um, you know, can I follow up with you with blank because I've noticed, you know, whatever it that is. Was, that was really good. Her answer, I like that. that was I know, really it's good. just her right, answer. Really <laughs> I don't. It's just perfect. Uh, I think it's just something short that there is freedom and hope through whatever junk you're going through. Best practice you have learned about improving your mental health. So. I think being able to take time to connect with what is valuable, what is important to me, what are my values, what is important to me, and how can I care for myself in a variety of ways, whether it be um, taking care of myself physically, uh, socially, spiritually. Um, so having a holistic sense of, of wellness, I would say. See, we just met, so I can't cut you off. I'd feel awful if I did that. So, but I can cut Mike off because Mike attends her. Okay. I think being present in the moment um, through different practices, like just breathing, um, you know, focusing on just scripture, um, just uh, focusing on your senses. Uh, the word just surrender comes to mind. I, I need that each day. Like even when I'm with clients, uh, God speak through me because my words are my own. They're, they're not very good. <laughs> All right, Miss Sonia. Best advice you would give to someone about confronting anxiety or depression? Knowing that it is possible to get hope. So kind of like what, what Mike saying as well that it's possible that there is hope in healing for anxiety and depression. Mm, that's great. Yeah, I think just, uh, I think teaching about emotions and their signals and, um, and then that you can regulate them and you can integrate your feelings and your thoughts together for healing. I think that you're not alone and that there's a battle you're going through um, but just there's that there, there's power in that spiritual battle and what Jesus has done. Well, final question in the lightning round. All right, you guys, you are all doing great. Who's going to win the Super Bowl and why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm kind of upset at Tom Brady. So is that your two sentences right mm -hmm. there? Yep. <sighs> Honestly, I don't follow football. So. <laughs> <laughs> she has a new baby. <laughs> Uh, that's true. Thanks that's for rescuing true. me. You, you yes. have a brand no, new no, baby, it's like so my, have... all my kids are into it, so that's why I know. I'll defer. <laughs> yeah, Kansas City. Why not? <laughs> Get a score prediction, Mike? <laughs> I do not. No. Okay. <laughs> Within five points. Okay. Uh, you putting money on that, by the no. way? Okay. That's really <laughs> all right. Last word. What's something I didn't ask that you want us to know, or that we should know? Now, I'm surprised with kids that no one asked about screen time because that's actually a very big thing with, I think, with mental health and video games even for, for adults. Um, so I want to encourage people like with their families or with others like to watch with others, you know, and share what you're watching. If you're watching something like fun and funny, make sure you're sharing it with others. I think a lot of us are on our phones and on screens and it's really isolated by ourselves. So I, I, I really want to encourage you to, to share. 
Yeah, that's good, Lindsay. I think being able to connect again, finding ways to connect again, uh, because we really have lost our sense of normalcy. And um, even though there is, I think, anticipation to going up to 2021 of, oh, there's going to be something new, we have a vaccine, um, there's, there's hope here, and there's also more time. We're still going through this place of, I guess, wandering kind of through the desert. And so we need to be able to, I think, find, again, what's important to us, find what is valuable to us or reorganize that, whatever, whatever that is, um, and, and find ways to connect to ourselves and find ways to connect to other people and, and not just through screens. And while there are meaningful ways to connect through screens, uh, it, it, there's something that's very much lost in that because we weren't designed to be just on a screen. Yeah, yeah. thinking about our design and then that, you know, of connection and then that sin came and like tore it apart. So what are some ways that we can, um, you know, reconnect with others? Um, like we've even, you know, we've tried to have like people outside with a patio heater and hand warmers and we put our TV outside with like warm drinks, like we're really, really trying here. Um, so what are some ways that you can step outside the box to try to um, connect with others? Last word, Mike. The word identity just keeps coming to mind. I think that if we could grow with so much what we go through, um, dealing with our past, trying to strive towards our future, if we could really know what God says about us and live in those promises that, hey, I can be free from this. I, I am his child, which means that I am seen as blameless by what Jesus has done. Like being able to have those thoughts and, and really ruminate on those, those good thoughts about you, about who you really are. If you could really sink that into your identity, you can't be thinking those thoughts and be thinking that I'm um, just, this is the way I am. I'm always going to be stuck in this addiction. I'm always going to be trapped or dealing with this. Those two can't exist at the same time. So I think just that, that identity of who we are. Yeah, that's great. First off, I just want to thank the three of you uh, for the 35-minute counseling session you gave me time, but, but during this time. But honestly, you were all awesome and, and for doing this, and, and uh, it's been so helpful. And I, I, as I was thinking about just kind of wrapping up our series and talking about the stigma of, of the church and mental health, I just keep going back to, uh, in the scriptures, we see time and time again people who dealt with mental health issues and speaking into that. And so I wanna read a very common passage. Mike, you referred to this earlier. It's where Paul is dealing, was talking about anxiety, but we could fill in other things besides anxiety, some of these. And here's what Paul says in Philippians 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that uh, we've had the opportunity over the last few weeks to, um, 
to start a conversation that I hope continues way beyond um, today. And that is about a topic that's near and dear to your heart because it, it, it impacts us. And that is mental health. Father, I pray for those who are struggling, who are wrestling uh, with some sort of mental health uh, illness. I pray, Father, that uh, you, would, you, would, uh, you would give them the courage to find someone to talk about it, whether it be a professional, whether it be a friend or a spouse, uh, that they would have the courage to open up and uh, be honest with someone about what's really going on. Father, I, I pray for those who have loved ones, whether it be kids or a spouse or someone else uh, that's really struggling right now. And uh, Father, may you give them the words to come alongside that person and uh, to create a safe and loving environment for them to talk, open up, and uh, really begin to be a part of just that process of going into uh, their hurt and their pain and their struggle, because it's what you called us to do. And so Father, I, I thank you for these three and just their gifting and um, how many people they're helping, and I thank you for the help that they provided all of us here today. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.